MSW Media. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink. It's called Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Today, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis asks the FBI for increased security after Trump's threats of violence. Six historically black colleges and universities received bomb threats. The U.S. has identified Russian elites who would be sanctioned should Putin invade Ukraine. And a judge rejects a plea deal for the murderers of Ahmad Arbery for their federal hate crimes charges. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Happy February, my friend. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it sure came quickly. My God, this January seemed like the longest month ever. And all of a sudden it's gone. It's Time is an interesting thing these days. Yeah, it is definitely, definitely weird. Today, later on in the show, I'm going to be talking with Glenn Kirshner, as you know, host of Justice Matters. He's got a new piece out in MSNBC Daily. And uh, interesting news that's just breaking. We don't have too many details on. So I'll just tell you, Mark Short top aide, chief of staff for for vice president, former vice president Mike Pence, quietly testified last week to the January 6th committee for apparently a long time. We don't know if it was a long time of invoking the Fifth Amendment, but they seem to be very cooperative. We just don't know when we have additional details. We will let you know. So interesting. You know, AG, I can't imagine, you know, when someone has been um, in there for a long time after a certain amount of I'm invoking the Fifth Amendment, I'm invoking the Fifth Amendment. I'm invoking the Fifth Amendment. They'd be like, you know what? Fuck this. This isn't going to happen. So if someone's in there for a really long time, it's hard to believe that they're not saying something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is what we found out about Ben Williamson. Exactly. Who was there for six and a half hours, who is Meadows, a top aide to to Mark Meadows, and who, who we later learned didn't invoke the Fifth. So we'll see what happens as we get more information with the Mark Short thing. Sounds good. Yeah, but uh, we do have other news. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The Atlanta area prosecutor who is weighing whether to bring election related criminal charges against the former guy is now seeking FBI help in securing a county courthouse and government center in the wake of, quote, alarming rhetoric from Trump at a rally this weekend. In a letter Sunday, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis pointed to comments from Trump at a rally in Texas about racist and mentally sick prosecutors examining a range of issues, including his company and his actions following the 2020 election. Quote, security concerns were escalated this weekend by the rhetoric of former President Trump at a public event in Conroe, Texas, that was broadcast and covered by national media outlets and shared widely on social media. This is from Willis's letter to J.C. Hacker, who is the special agent in charge of the Atlanta field office for the FBI. Quote, his statements were undoubtedly watched by millions. In the letter, she asked that Hacker immediately conduct a risk assessment of the Fulton County Courthouse and Governor Center or Government Center and provide protective resources to include intelligence and federal agents. We must work together, she says, to keep the public safe and ensure that we do not have a tragedy in Atlanta, similar to what happened at the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021. So she's directly 
connecting those two incitations. She noted that several other buildings are located in proximity to the courthouse, including the Georgia Capitol, Atlanta City Hall, and dormitories, dormitories at Georgia State University. Willis asked that resources be in place well in advance of May 2nd. That is the day that they seat the special grand jury, you know, to investigate, do fact-finding, and send out subpoenas. There is an immediate response to this, the threats of violence, further incitation of violence. Absolutely. And this is, it's, it spreads across the country. Um, this next story is unsettling it, it in the least. Uh, for the second time this month, at least six historically Black universities and colleges have received bomb threats, A.G. Howard University, Bowie State University, Bethune-Cookman University, Southern University, Delaware State University, and Albany State University. They've all reported potential threats Monday. Now, Albany State University in Georgia received notice of a bomb threat to the academic buildings of its campus. As local law enforcement officials investigate, all ASU campuses remained closed and employees and students were told not to report to campus. Bowie State University in Maryland, they are also investigating a bomb threat with bomb technicians from the Maryland State Fire Marshal. The campus remains closed as canines conduct sweeps of university buildings. And we go to Southern University and A&M College. They also received a bomb threat Monday and they went into lockdown. The university told students classes were canceled and that they should remain in their dorm rooms until an all clear was issued. And then we go to Delaware. Same thing, we had Delaware State University. They told ABC News that the university police are investigating and that employees and commuter students have been instructed not to report to the campus until further notice. Residential students have also been asked to remain in their dorm rooms. And at Howard University and Bethune-Cookman University also report potential bomb threats to their campuses. And that's according to ABC affiliate, ABC7 News, Judson Bible College, which is not an HBCU. They were also targeted. This is very unsettling, Hmm. very unsettling. Yeah. And there were more earlier in January. It's um, ramping up. It's ramping up. With that, with the anti-Semitism, that seems to also be getting uh, all these embers that have been there in Mm -hmm. our country. Uh, Always, they seem to be aflame lately. And big Nazi rally in Orlando. Horrifying. Uh, that uh, DeSantis has remained quiet about. But, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of Jewish people in Florida, so he probably... The, <laughs> like, what the... Like, what... I, you know, all other Florida Republicans have, have denounced this. Yeah. Except for the governor's office. Yeah, DeSantis can't seem to say Nazis are bad people. Mm-hmm. He just can't bring himself to say Nazis are bad people. Yeah, and he's sort of stuck between a, a, a dildo shop and a crematorium, as it were. In in this instance, because Donald probably doesn't want him to come out and denounce Nazis because those are his voters. Absolutely. But meanwhile, it's Florida, you know, geez, yeah. I, I don't even know. It's 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 getting dangerous out there. Everybody be safe. Also, in the news, the Biden administration has identified several elite Russian government officials and business leaders that the U.S. intends to sanction if Russia invades Ukraine. That's according to a senior administration official talking to CNN. The official said specific sanctions packages have been developed against Russian elites in or near the inner circle of the Kremlin and play a role in government decision-making or are at a minimum complicit in the Kremlin's destabilizing behavior. Their families would be sanctioned too. Dude, baller. The disclosure, the Biden administration is preparing sanctions against Russian elites as the latest effort by the U.S. to diplomatically deter Russia from attacking Ukraine as it continues to build up forces near Ukraine's borders. And I heard, Dana, even they've sent in blood. They've sent, you know, supplies of blood to the, to the Russians at the border now, wow. which is always a bad sign. Yeah, absolutely. President Joe Biden said last week he would consider sanctioning 
Vladimir Putin himself if Russia invaded, but the officials declined to reveal the names of the particular individuals the U.S. is eyeing for potential sanctions since the administration does not want the individuals to have any prior warning. Yeah, kind of gives them time to pull all their money and move shit around. Quote, there is a broad list of individuals we can pull from, the official said, noting that some would be taken from a classified report the Treasury Department sent to Congress in 2018 naming senior political figures and oligarchs in the Russian Federation. Quote, we cannot disclose the contents of the list or name specific names given flight risks, but it provides ample targets and family networks involved in stashing their assets. And the sanctions being developed against these senior Russian officials business leaders and other elites are just one part of a range of consequences the U.S. says it's prepared to impose on Russia if it moves to attack. The senior administration official noted many of the elites the U.S. is eyeing for sanctions are particularly vulnerable targets because of their extensive financial ties with the West, assets that would be frozen if they were sanctioned. Quote, Putin's cronies will no longer be able to use their spouses or other family members as proxies to evade sanctions. Oh, like Deripaska just comes right to the top of my head. But he's <laughs> but he's already sanctioned here in the U.S., but they let him sort of they lifted that a little when Mitch Turtle Dick Mitch decided he wanted an aluminum plant with Rusal, which used to be mostly owned by Oleg Deripaska, but he passed some of his shares on over to the Kremlin. So he's kind of sanctioned. But sanctions would cut them off from the international financial system and ensure they and their family members will no longer be able to enjoy the perks of parking their money in the West and attending elite Western universities. Huh. Western universities. Interesting throw in there. That, that makes me want to look through this list of who I know is on OFAC and, and figure out who's got kids that go to totally. school. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little worse than even saying that they were on the rowing team and all they did was pose for the picture. This seems like a bigger deal. A little bit. Oh, my goodness. And uh, down in Georgia, we have a plea deal that would have allowed a white man convicted in the murder of Ahmaud Arbery to serve a large part of a sentence in federal prison. That was rejected. Thank goodness, by a U.S. District Court judge on Monday. Judge Lisa Godby Woods, her decision to turn down Travis McMichael's plea agreement with federal prosecutors came after Arbery's parents and two aunts gave emotional statements asking the judge to reject the deal and proceed with a federal trial next week. A second hearing on the plea deal, the government's attorneys negotiated with McMichael's father, 66 year old Gregory McMichael, was also scheduled to occur on Monday. However, since Godby Woods said her decision would be the same in the Elder McMichael's case, Gregory McMichael's lawyer said there was no need for a hearing. That's a good decision. Hmm. A federal prosecutor told the judge during Monday's hearing that the agreement called for the men to immediately be turned over to the Federal Bureau of Prisons to serve 30 years in a federal penitentiary before being returned to the Georgia Department of Corrections to serve the remainder of their sentence. Now, Godby Wood gave both men the option to go forward with their guilty pleas, and risk her giving them a harsher sentence than what they agreed to or to withdraw their pleas and go to trial starting on Monday. The judge gave them until Friday to decide. So federal prosecutors filed notices of plea agreements for Travis McMichael, 35, and Father Gregory McMichael on Sunday in the U.S. District Court in Brunswick, Georgia. And they requested Monday's hearing for Godby Wood to review the deal. No plea agreement was announced for Brian. Prior to Monday's hearings, Arbery's relatives slammed the plea deal, alleging it was done behind their back. This is a quote. This proposed plea is a huge accommodation to the men who hunted down and murdered Ahmad Arbery, the family's attorney Lee Merritt said in a statement. He went on to say the family is devastated at this development. Their wishes are being completely ignored, and they do not consent to these accommodations. Now, Arbery's parents, Wanda Cooper-Jones and Marcus Arbery, they asked the federal court to be allowed to assert her right 
under federal law to oppose the plea deal directly before the court. And another quote, the DOJ has gone behind my back to offer the men who murdered my son a deal to make their time in prison easier for them to serve. That's what she wrote in a statement. The mother, I have made it clear at every possible moment that I do not agree to offer these men a plea deal of any kind. I have been completely betrayed by the DOJ's lawyers. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this article does go on to talk about how it, it is easier to do time in a federal prison than in a state prison. It's easier time. And I think what the Department of Justice was arguing was that they would have to say that they, as part of this plea agreement, they would just say that they actually murdered Ahmad Arbery because he was black and that they would not be able to appeal the state conviction. So they would be guaranteed 30 years in federal prison. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if they if they go to trial and they, you know, w- win something else or they don't like, let's say they go to trial and they don't get convicted on these federal charges and then they appeal and they win and then the guys get out. Right. I think that's what the DOJ was trying to avoid. But to do this behind their back, no matter what, I am siding with Arbery's family. That's who I'm 100%. I think the family should be involved in all these decisions. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I just wanted to to say why it's easier to do federal prison time than state prison time. That's one of the reasons and, and what some of the other reasons were. But to, to do this closed door deal, this the backroom deal, bad, yeah. bad look. Uh, all right. We'll be right back with Glenn Kirshner. We're going to discuss the culpability of the former president in light of his comments over the weekend. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And The Daily Beans is brought to you by AG. Not just me, but Athletic Greens, a health and wellness company that simplifies daily nutrition. Keeping good nutritional habits can be difficult with a very intense and stressful schedule. And, you know, I also eat paleo and I intermittently fast, so I end up with these huge gaps uh, in my diet for nutrition. Fortunately, Athletic Greens can help, and they've helped me. One delicious scoop of AG1 provides comprehensive and convenient, convenient daily nutrition. It's a very easy habit to pick up, and it could taste delicious. It has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, a probiotic, a greens superfood blend, and more. AG1 helps me stay focused and productive during the day. I take it first thing in the morning before the gym. The high-quality bioavailable ingredients in AG1 can effectively replace multiple products or pills with one tasty, healthy beverage. I used to have 10 bottles of vitamins and a probiotic in the fridge. This is all in one place. It's wonderful. And it also fits keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and vegan lifestyles. AG1 has less than one gram of sugar, and there are no GMOs. It also has no chemicals or artificial ingredients, and it tastes amazing. My favorite thing about Athletic Greens is that they constantly update the research when the science changes. Oh my gosh, what a mind boggle, right? Unlike most nutritional supplements, which hit the market and don't ever change, Athletic Greens continually improves AG1 based on the latest research. It's resulted in 53 improvements over the last decade and counting so far. I highly recommend giving it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm joined today by a host of Justice Matters, Glenn Kirshner. Uh, how are you, Glenn? I'm okay, AG. How are you? <laughs> it's been a, a pretty robust news day, we, could, we should just say, and, and uh, we're all sort of catching up from some stuff over the weekend. And uh, I was just looking at a piece that you penned for MSNBC Daily. And it's called Will Trump Run in 2024 and How the DOJ Could Boost His Bid. Can you talk a little bit about this piece? 
Yeah, AG, while I was working on it, my working title was, Will DOJ be Donald Trump's shadow running mate in 2024? Because we all know how Donald Trump takes losses and tries to spin them as wins, right? Now, he's only fooling the gullible. Unfortunately, so many of us are gullible. So when he gets caught extorting President Zelensky on a phone call, he says it's a perfect call. Anybody who goes after him is involved in a witch hunt. When he is uh, acquitted in the Senate trial after being impeached, it's a full exoneration, as was the Mueller report was apparently a full exoneration, even though Bob Mueller pretty meticulously documented as many as 10 felony obstruction of justice crimes by Donald Trump. I think that's a bit of a stretch to call it a complete exoneration, but that's Donald Trump's MO. So it's not hard to predict, AG, what he will do if Merrick Garland's Department of Justice declines, let's call it what it would be, fails to indict him. He will run hard on not only is it a complete exoneration, it's actually the Department of Justice co-signing everything he did in his four years as president as being entirely lawful. He might as well get a cardboard cutout of Merrick Garland during his campaign rallies, drag it up on stage, drape his arm around it and say, this is my man. He's got me. He can. He has confirmed for you that I did nothing wrong. Why? Because if I had committed a crime, wouldn't he have indicted me? I mean, that's pretty dire given where we are, particularly given how Trump continues to spin out of control with some of what he just said at his rally and put in a written statement. Yeah. And if and if Garland does indict him for something, anything, then we have to look at the opposite thing, which which is what you brought up uh, regarding the impeachment trials or the Mueller report. I mean, even though the Senate exonerated him in the impeachment trials, but Mueller certainly didn't. He would say this was a witch hunt. Uh, they are corrupt. There is a deep state. They're going after me. And then it, he would rile everybody up just as, you know, maybe not just as much as if he got, you know, if he wasn't prosecuted. And there, you know, there might be and I, I don't see this as a possibility. But if there are reasonable reasons that they couldn't bring an indictment uh, much, you know, like Mueller couldn't because of the OLC memo and et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. Right. That doesn't matter. It's just how it's viewed. And so we you know, we've seen him now go after in his comments over the weekend, those who are investigating him that we know of that, that are being loud about it, not loud about it. But, you know, that, that we that we've heard about because, the, you know, the Department of Justice is at a whisper or less. But uh, Fonnie Willis has had to ask the FBI to up her security because if she exonerates him, he wears it as a badge of honor. And I don't mean exonerate. If she f doesn't prosecute him or, or get, doesn't find enough criminal culpability rising to the standards to, to charge him, he wears it as a badge of honor. If she does, he uses it as a reason to incite violence. Yeah. And regardless of what happens, whether Donald Trump gets prosecuted or not, there will be all kinds of outcries. The thing is, there is so much evidence that Donald Trump has committed buku crimes. Buku is a legal term somewhere. <laughs> that there really is only one, only one way to proceed. There will be an uproar regardless of which path the Department of Justice takes. 
So how about you take the righteous path and the lawful path and the democracy-saving path of indicting Donald Trump for his crimes and let the outroar come? Because if you decline to hold a criminal president accountable and you let the outroar come, we're kind of done. We're kind of done as a democracy. Yeah, it's just the same as, you know, well, the the folks on the one six committee, uh, you know, uh, allegedly or possibly thinking, well, if we subpoena members of Congress, then the Republicans are going to come after us if they win the House in 2022, as though they wouldn't anyway. Right. And Newt Gingrich confirmed that to our satisfaction. I don't even like to to spew his name. It gives me creeps. But when he said the members of the J6 committee should be jailed once the Republicans take control of the House. Well, he's already told us that they will use law, the laws for evil. So the House Select Committee really ought to use the laws, including the law of inherent contempt for good while they still have the opportunity. <laughs> while they still can. And, and speaking of obstruction of justice, the comments that he made in a statement, you know, from the tiny desk in Mar-a-Lago, as I said earlier, with regards to, well, actually, I think was it actually at his rally where he dangled pardons yes. for some of the January 6th defendants. That negatively impacts the Department of Justice's ability to secure plea deals and and move forward with prosecution, especially for like those who might serve longer terms, whereas if he gets back in office, they'd still be in prison, might be able to get released, might be able to get that pardon. And isn't that somehow obstruction of justice, witness intimidation, or does it does it not meet the mark? I mean, or does it depend on all the other mitigating circumstances? Yeah, it, it really depends on, you know, looking at his statements in the context of everything else he has said and done. Now, as a former career prosecutor, I like to find crime under every rock around every corner. But, you know, this is one where I, I am going to say, based on what we know, it, it could certainly be included in a larger conspiracy indictment as part of a, a 371 conspiracy to defraud or commit crimes against the United States, kind of part and parcel of his continued attempt to, you know, offer the big lie, to undermine our democracy, to steal the, the election previously. But I think on its four corners, I would probably say it's obstruction of justice minus one or witness tampering minus one. Why? Because there are so many conditions precedent before he could get to being able to do what he just childishly threatened to do. Well, if I run and if I'm reelected, if I'm in a position, then I'm going to pardon that. I, I don't think that's the kind of directly obstructing or directly tampering kind of words or conduct that would support a criminal charge on its own force. So that's kind of where I come down. And it pains me to say something Donald Trump did that is that outrageous is probably not a chargeable crime. And and what about his other statement where he said Pence could have should have changed the outcome? Pence, yep, you've got it. And for those who can't see, because this is a podcast, he's holding up a copy of this of this statement that was that came out from uh, from Mar-a-Lago. The Pence should have overturned the election. That to me implies, and I always get this wrong. Infers implies that he knew the outcome was legit and it needed to be overturned because i mean i mean i i could i could see us in court getting into a very 
heated debate about the meaning behind the word overturn or outcome. And uh, and, uh, you know, I can see Barr saying I'm grappling with the word, you know, whatever. What, what are your thoughts about that in its four corners or in totality of evidence being a crime? Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head. We could have lots of robust debates on what the meaning of the word overturn really is in the context of this statement. But the good news is that's why the criminal justice gods gave us juries. Because please let me prosecute and argue to a jury that what I'm holding up, which is a printout of Donald Trump's statement, which I've handily uh, put a prosecution exhibit sticker on so I can offer it to the jury at the earliest opportunity when he's being prosecuted as evidence that shows that this is a criminal admission. It's not a confession. And if anybody's interested in the distinction between those two things, when you make an admission, that means you've said something incriminating. When you make a confession, it means you have admitted to all of the elements of the crime at issue. Two different things, but they're they're related. So what this statement is that Donald Trump made saying, yes, I wanted, I expected, I'm paraphrasing, but but it was my goal and my hope that the vice president would overturn the election's results. And we can talk about his qualifier in a minute about how, well, because they're debating legislation in Congress, that gives me an out. No, it doesn't give him an out. This is, you know, I, I would call this the confession cherry on top of Donald Trump's criminal Sunday, right? The, the Department of Justice didn't need this to bring charges, but now that they've got it, it's all the more reason that the Department of Justice has to move out, right? And I know we hear ad nauseum, we're following the facts wherever they lead, we're following the law wherever they, the facts are in, the law is clear. We now have a direct written admission from Donald Trump that he wanted his vice president to overturn the election results. How about we see some indictments? So, you know, and and let me take on the piece where, why did Donald Trump say it? And then what about his half-hearted defense that because Congress is debating legislation, that gives him some cover. It gives him an out. It doesn't. Why did he say it? AG, I've seen it a thousand times when I was dealing with witnesses and and defendants as a, a prosecutor. It's called getting in front of it, right? We, I have no doubt that witnesses have told both the House Select Committee and the Department of Justice that in the run-up to January 6th, Donald Trump was running around like a loudmouth fool saying he wants Mike Pence to overturn the election results. And because that evidence is almost certainly in the possession of the authorities, Donald Trump had but one play. He had to get in front of it. So he puts out a Mickey Mouse statement saying, yeah, I wanted him to overturn the results. He's not giving anything up there, right? But he puts a qualifier on it. But it's not a bad thing because look, the Dems and the Rhino Republicans, including, and I quote, crazy Susan Collins, his words, are debating the law. And maybe they're going to, you know, change the law when it comes to the Electoral College Vote Act, if I got the name of the statute right. Here's the thing. Legislators can shore up law. All that they, they can pass new law to close gaps or make definitions more precise. That does not mean that on January 6th, Mike Pence had the lawful authority to uh, look at the electoral college votes that 
plainly showed Joe Biden was the winner, throw them out and declare the loser of the election the winner. There's no support for that just because Congress is debating further legislation. Yeah. And then you have the piles of other evidence. I mean, because, you know, what we're trying to get at here is that he knew he won. Right. And that that goes that blows up the intent or ignorance defense. But we have the call to Raffensperger with eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes, not the four hundred thousand he said he won by. We have the call to Rosen saying you don't have to do anything. Just say you're investigating. We have the 60 plus court losses that were handed to him saying there's no evidence of of election fraud. We have Bill Barr, his own attorney general, the fixer in charge, saying there was no election fraud. White House counsel, his own White House counsel told him there was no election fraud. 14 electors were just subpoenaed by the 1-6 committee. You know, one of those 47 false electors, they're not all going to get behind him and say, we totally thought that the election was stolen. You just need one of them. I mean, you put all that together, you know, and when we're talking about either four corners of a statement or totality of the evidence, it seems pretty clear to me that he knew that he lost. I never had a case this strong on the evidence in 30 years. I I just didn't. When you put the aggregate of evidence here, you know, it's so overwhelming, which is what frustrates us that nothing has been done. And yes, the timidity of the federal prosecutors is legendary. And I know that they always want to double dot their I's, triple cross their T's. They want to perfect every case in the grand jury before they ever ask a grand jury to vote out an indictment. And you know what? In the ordinary course of business, because the you know federal grand juries only handle one or two percent of the criminal cases in this country, and they're you know largely the bigger, more complex cases, often white-collar crime-type cases, political corruption-type cases, where society is not imminently in danger. And federal prosecutors have the luxury of time in these proactive, long-term investigations. That ain't what we're dealing with here. And DOJ, in my opinion, has been unable to, um, to adjust to the really dire circumstances that we're dealing with. And Donald Trump, as you say, continuing to go out. And he is recruiting his next batch of insurrection foot soldiers at these rallies. For God's sakes, A.G., he said, if any of these prosecutors indict me, I want you to go protest in numbers like never before in Georgia, in New York, and elsewhere. Think about this, A.G. He hasn't thought about this. He will at some point try to pull out the defense that on January 6th, when I said just go protest, I didn't mean do violence. But now he knows. Now, that's a frivolous claim, but let's run with it for a minute. Now he knows that when he says go protest for me, the way his supporters respond is they do violence. And what did he just do at the rally? Go protest in massive numbers. Well, He's playing against himself now. He's undercutting legal arguments he might have otherwise had. The man doesn't have a tactical, you know, thought in his brain beyond, you know, what's going to happen one minute from now if I say this thing, which is why prosecuting him at the end of the day, it's going to be like shooting fish in the barrel. 
We just have to get a darn indictment and get the case in front of a jury. Yeah, no, I agree. And and my only concern is, and you know, I mean, it, if it's going to happen, it'll happen when it happens, right? But the thing is, is that if he is arrested, and this is a question for you, because I know you've been in tons of these hearings, this is an unprecedented thing. We don't have a bunch of people and crimes to compare this to from the past, other than just what's strictly on the books. But if he's arrested next week and arraigned for this uh, seven state conspiracy, let's say, and, you know, whatever, I feel like he'd get out on bail and just be back at his rallies inciting the same violence or, you know, the indictment itself will, will, will cause violence. And so I don't know that the speed with which this is done makes as much of a difference as it simply needing to be done makes a difference, if that makes any sense. It, it, it does. And first of all, I think it's unlikely that he would be detained, that is jailed pending trial for a thousand reasons. I think he's a danger to the community. I think we could satisfy the evidentiary standard, which is clear and convincing evidence that you're a flight risk or a danger to the community. Clear and convincing evidence is uh, significantly higher than probable cause to arrest and to indict in the first instance. But even just for safety reasons, I don't think anybody is going to want to put the former president in prison while he's pending trial. After he's convicted, that's a whole nother matter. So he would probably put on the strictest, be put on the strictest kind of home confinement, GPS monitoring and all that sort of stuff by the, by the court is my, is my Mm -hmm. assumption. And the judge would set all kinds of conditions for his release that would involve, you know, no rallies is perhaps an overstatement, but you know, you can't give him license to continue to incite violence. Just like, remember how the judge incrementally took some things away from Roger Stone when he couldn't be a good Mm -hmm. boy on release? Mm -hmm. Well, some of that will happen to Donald Trump as well. But here is where I think it, it, it changes the calculation dramatically. Once we know the Department of Justice is up to the task of charging these criminals with various crimes in an effort to overturn the election results and bring an end to our democracy, it will shut people up. Mm. There are Republicans who feel emboldened because nobody's been held accountable, so they run their mouths and they support Trump in a way I predict will go away the minute he's indicted. So it does change the calculus. And you know what? Mm -hmm. If it inspires violence in the country, I will not be cavalier when I say this. Democracy is worth fighting for. So violence that results in the name of trying to save our republic, you know, there are worse kind of violences that can erupt. I don't want to see it. I don't want our country to have to deal with it. But some things are worth fighting for. Yeah. And if you you can't both want Trump to be put in prison and expect there not to be any backlash from his from from literally from the mobs that he is currently inciting yeah. uh, and has been for quite a while. So it's just it's just a place that we're at. And, and I hope and I don't think but I hope that the Department of Justice doesn't make a charging decision or a declination based on that alone. But I, I again, because we don't have a special counsel, I don't know that we'll see declination reasons, uh, except there's a huge public interest and in maybe American oversight will be able to pry the papers away from the Department of Justice in 2028. But, you know, we'll I keep saying we'll see, but it's it's just it, it is it's extremely frustrating. And meanwhile, he's out here inciting violence. But I do I did feel a shift in this 
last statement where it seems like he's no like no longer on election fraud, stolen election. He's just like, yep, like you said, drawing the sting, getting out in front of it. I wanted Pence to overturn the election. It seems like he's this is his last desperate Hail Mary, and he's willing to take the country down with him. He is desperate, and he keeps railing against the prosecutors. This time around, he threw in racist prosecutors, right? And because prosecutors historically have gone after wealthy white males. I mean, that's who we focus on imprisoning in this country, right? But setting that well, aside. You know, the, the, the Wharton to prison pipeline is very, it's big. Wow, the Wharton to prison pipeline. Did you just coin that? Because that's genius, A.G., I did. Thank you. I love it. I love it. If I if I use it, I will give you attribution. But but here's the other thing I want to touch on. You said you don't want to see the Department of Justice make prosecutorial decisions based on the the risk of violence or based on how Trump anything that happens might, Trump supporters yeah. might react. I have always said we can't decline to do the right thing for fear of how the wrong people will react. Because yeah. if if that's how we we you know enter our prosecutorial decision-making challenges, well, we're kind of done. Yeah. We're just, you know, making political decisions and calculations. So, and, and I'll, I'll leave you with this, because I think declining to prosecute Donald Trump would be a purely political decision. It wouldn't be based on the facts and the law. It would be political in, in some form or fashion. And again, if that happens, I, I do think we're done. Hmm. Yeah, well... We're holding on for dear life and we'll just continue to vote, press voting rights and, and put real and reasonable pressure on on our institutions. Thank you so much. Everybody needs to tune into Justice Matters. I appreciate your time today and read the piece in MSNBC Daily. It's really good. Thanks very much. Glenn Kirshner. Thanks, A.G. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's A.G. And the second part of the show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. If you're having a bad night's sleep, it's, it's the worst. It, it wrecks your whole next day. And I used to have insomnia. And I would toss and turn all night. And I thought it was anxiety. I thought it was stress. But it turns out I was sleeping on a mattress that wasn't made for me. And that's when I discovered Helix Sleep, which is just truly wonderful. It, there's a Helix mattress for every body type and sleeping style. You just go to helix.com slash dailybeans and take their quick online quiz to see what the perfect mattress is for you. And you can choose from a wide variety of mattresses. They have soft, medium, or firm, right? They have body temperature regulating mattresses. They have spine alignment mattresses, so you don't get the aches and pains when you wake up in the morning. And they have a Helix Plus for plus-size sleepers. And the Helix Midnight was what I was looking for because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium-firm mattress. So that's what I was matched with, and it's perfect for me. And thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast, I stay asleep through the night, and I wake up feeling refreshed. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired. And leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine always recommend Helix to improve sleep. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And they have financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news or whoopee stories uh, or, you know, any photos of your pets, you want to play What the Mutt with us, whatever you want to uh, misheard song lyrics, anything you want, send it into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. You can give us your name. You can give us your pronouns. You can remain anonymous. 
Dana, I'm looking forward to today's good news because we need some after we had some bad news today, right? So uh, I agree. Let's do this. All right. So first up from Peggy from Northwest Indiana, pronouns she and her. Good morning, AGDG, Amy, and all the supporting folks. I have a whoopee and a pet to share. Ooh. The attached pictures are of a teddy bear that quote unquote resided at my grandmother's house. Grandma Salagi. Oh, Salagi. Gotcha was the most important person in my life growing up because she taught me about nature, cooking, baking, always doing the next right thing. She loved me unconditionally, etc. She was my rock and my safe haven. When she passed away, I was living across the country and I flew home for the funeral. The family stopped by her house and that's when I quietly tucked this little teddy bear in my bag to bring home. I'm sad to think he never had a name now that I come to think about it. The tattered diaper he was wearing was the one my daughter, Joni, had to wear home from the hospital in 1970 because I'd forgotten to pack any for bringing her home. Oh. I've included a photo of my beautiful daughter who's now 51, holding her dog. <laughs> wow, this whoopie's been around. Mia, who was rescued from a high kill shelter in Texas. That's her dog. We don't know Mia's breed mix, but she's part of the family and a really good oh dog. Oh my God. So I can't tell you how old this teddy bear is, but I've known him for over 65 years. I think this is the, the longest oldest whoopie. whoopie we've had. Yes. Yeah. Keep up the good fight. I love the news with swearing and humor because I want to stay current with what's happening, but I also need a laugh or I don't think I'd never stop weeping. Peace and love. Look at this bear. Oh, my goodness. There's stories. This bear knows so much. Look at that. It says right there on the diaper, the hospital. That's amazing. Of Gary. Oh, oh and uh, by the way, your daughter looks fantastic at 51. Can I, we just yeah, mention that? I know. I was going to say. And that dog's Look adorable. At the dog. So great. Thank you for so that submission. Sweet. All right. So 65 years is the whoopee to beat. Here we go. All right. This is from Jesse. Pronounce she and her. Good morning, Beans Queens. No good news. Only a thank you note. I started listening to the pod a year ago, shortly before Joe Biden's inauguration, when my anxiety was high that it wouldn't happen. I remember the podcast quickly squashed that fear, and I've been listening to you every day ever since. So thank you for creating a podcast that reveals our government's officials for the Scooby-Doo villains they are. Clarity often eases my anxiety. AG, thank you for being the strong, smart, and determined woman who always reminds me to take care of others, myself, and most importantly, my mental health. DG, as a latent life who had too few queer role models growing up, thank you for being you. Is there someone cutting onions in the kitchen? Excuse me. Yes. Yes, there is. A full-of-life, funny, smart, and caring woman. You remind me, isn't it weird that somehow compliments sometimes make us teary? That is just... Uh... Okay, sorry. Jesse, thank you. You remind me that a happy life is possible no matter who I love. It is indeed, my dear. It is indeed. Please accept this pod pet tax of my first-generation house cat, Eddie Russett, who's just over a year old. <laughs> Great name. And has been my constant companion since August 2020 who helps me find fun daily, whether we are playing fetch with rings made out of pipe cleaners or cuddling on the couch. Oh. I love a cat that fetches. I love I just, fetch cats. Yeah. I mean, I love a good cat on a leash. I love a good cat that fetches. It doesn't be surprised that I love cat dogs. I love dog cats. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for those words. Obviously, um, they were... Much needed on this uh, Tuesday. My goodness. Or Monday. What day is it? A Monday. Yeah, they're listening on Tuesday, but it's... Yes. It's, See, I have no idea what's happening. It's Monday, it's Monday right now. IRL. Ah, yes. That was lovely. And that cat is so cute. Looks like my old kitty, Paula. 
So yes, beautiful. I have a cat named Paula. Oh my God. I already see the next picture. I know. I know. Look at this baby. All right. From Anne, pronouns she and her confession. Good evening to the people of the beans. It's like a, it's like a Walter Cronkite opening, isn't it? I know. I have a story about my pillow. I had a my pillow. I purchased it well before Donald rode down that escalator. I found the pillow to be very uncomfortable for sleeping, but I did use it as a second pillow. Eventually, it ended up at the foot end of the bed, and my dog, Buddy, claimed it as his, since he likes to sleep with his head on a pillow. Oh, my God. From the time he discovered the pillow to the day I had said goodbye to him, mm. he spent the night with the my pillow at the foot end of my bed. I threw away the pillow the week after I had to say goodbye to Buddy. Attached is a picture of Buddy with the my pillow. Oh, my goodness. Buddy is, I, <laughs> I really do love Cocker Spaniels. I love the colors, like that sable. So beautiful. You can tell that Buddy was just a sweet baby. Thank you for that. And understandably, I'm glad my pillow did something useful Mm -hmm. in the house. All right, this next one's from Jen, pronouns she and her. Attached is our son's lovey, who he named Scratchy Teddy. The patches you see are because he literally scratches him as he falls asleep. So I end up adding stuffing and fabric to keep him in one piece. God, I love these damn stories. Scratchy originally had, I know this is the best idea ever. Scratchy originally had a wind up music box. When our son, who's now 13, was about 18 months old, he woke us up with a blood curdling scream and then kept shouting, Teddy's butt, Teddy's butt, because the music box broke and its keys fell out. So Scratchy's first surgery was a music box me. <laughs> so he had one inside of him. Okay. Oh my God. He's since had new soles, a butt lift, several hat repairs, and most recently some leg reconstruction. <laughs> Sounds like my mom. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know she now she she listens to this. I love you, mom. Just kidding. Oh my goodness. When our son was small, I was terrified we would lose Scratchy. So I bought a spare, but then realized it wasn't like replacing a dead goldfish. Scratchy has no replacement. So I'm quietly saving the spare for my first grandchild, if I'm so lucky. When I told 13, that's just what she's calling him. When I told 13 I wanted to pick to send the beans ladies, he insisted we pose Scratchy in front of the fire so you could see him in all his glory. Behold. <gasps> This is so sweet. It looks like Scratchy has his own little whoopee. Yeah. Uh, Does Scratchy have a whoopee? That's what it seems like. I mean, it looks like it unless I'm miss seeing that. This is so... What a cool story. I love that. So his first surgery was a music boxectomy. He's since had two new soles, a butt lift, several hat repairs, and most recently some leg reconstruction. Oh, my God. I just see you sitting by the fire, like, mending... Mending the scratchy teddy. I know. Or just at night sewing. Thank you for these. My mom would have sewed. Thank you so much for all these stories. These are incredible. We love these. Please keep sending us uh, your Whoopi slash lovey stories and anything else you want to send us. Confessions, corrections, please. If I screw something up, fucking send it in. Yes, please. And yeah, anything, really. Just we're at the anything point. So you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and you click on contact and that's how you get in touch with us and you can like i said you can remain anonymous give us your name give us your pronouns however you want to do it dana yes any final thoughts today not not really anything poignant i would just like to say congratulations to the Bengals. i will be cheering for the rams in their home stadium which is absolutely beautiful i think it would be 
Uh, I think they deserve home field on this one because they almost got it screwed by the San Francisco 49ers because all of the rich people in Silicon Valley broke into the system. And there was like 70 to 30% San Francisco 49ers in the stadium yesterday. Yep. And the Rams still managed to win that game. Anyway, good luck to everyone. I hope it is a a safe game in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the Super Bowl more. And I know I just bored the shit out of some of you. So I hope that you find something that brings you joy today. I have no idea who I'm going to root for. I'm a Browns fan. So Bengals are Ohio. But I also grew up as Bengals with a rival. And I've been in California four times longer than I ever lived. In Cleveland. And listened, yeah. And I like a good underdog story, AG. I so do. there's that. I'd love a good underdog story. And God, I think the Bengals won four games last year or something like that. So this is a yeah. this is they a hell of a season. Close. It's close to the Browns. So yeah. I think I'll probably root for the Bengals. Sounds good. Hopefully we'll just a good game. I like good football. Yeah. And I most look forward to the commercials. <laughs> yes. I hope they don't <laughs> suck. Some some years they just suck. I think they're going to be really liberal. I think there's going to be a lot of LGBTQ people and black people in the commercials for the Super Bowl. And I think the right is going to lose their fucking minds. Good. That's my favorite when they lose their mind. Makes me happy. But yeah, the fuck your feelings crowd has their feelings fucked. Yeah, they get get the sads. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. Those are our full names, Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.